You're listening to The Raw Podcast, where we make sense of the madness and mayhem that is the world of sports. I'm Daniel Jeffrey. I'm Ben Conkey. And I'm Ryman White. Today we're going to be talking about the rise and rise of short-form sports and why almost every professional code has embraced them. It seems these days that every sport wants to have its own shorter format in an attempt to get more fans, more players, and perhaps most importantly, more money. Everyone's seen the success of 2020 cricket, and everyone wants to replicate that success for themselves. T20 cricket, rugby sevens, fast four tennis, NRL nines, fast five netball, AFLX, nitro athletics, three on three basketball at the Olympics. Have I missed anything? Golf? Yeah, there's a golf one. That's a random golf that I'm still not sure of the rules, but... You've got all the main ones. These are what make up the wave of short-form sports. But before we get stuck into those, I think it's important to remember that lots of modern sports are pretty much short versions of the original. One of the original laws of rugby states, all matches are drawn after five days, but after three if no goal has been kicked. Five days! Let's just pause to think about that for a People moment. People think Northern Hemisphere rugby is boring <laughs> at the moment. I mean, this is this is next level stuff. And then there's baseball. It changed the length of the game uh, to nine innings instead of declaring the first team to score 21 runs, the winner. Considering the common single-figure scorelines of the sport, days of play isn't out of the question if they'd maintained that rule. Then there's the early days of Australian rules. Um, One of the most famous early matches between Melbourne Grammar and Scotch College began on the 7th of August before a second day of play on the 21st of August and a third on the 4th of September. Mind you, this is back in 1858. But three days of play for a sport that's early rules also specifically stated that tripping and pushing are both allowed is just a little much. So after that, my first question basically answers itself of why do sports go short like in the case of rugby baseball and afl shortening things was a good move as it improved the sport but for the purpose of framing our discussion i'm going to place a marker on the timeline of sporting history at the turn of the millennium rugby has just had its first sevens world series and t20 cricket is getting ready to hit the scene in a few years From this point on, we see the snowball of short-form sports start to roll. So guys, of all the short-form sports we've seen this millennium, what are the success stories and what is just terrible? start with the terrible. I don't think you can go past fast four tennis. It doesn't improve the sport at all. It's first to four games wins. Doesn't matter how you get there for some reason. It's just like, okay, you made it to four, you win the game. They've got weird rules like a captain's challenge where your captain, like a Davis Cup captain on the sideline will say, this point is worth two points because you get one power play per match. It's just changing the the point system of tennis for no reason. And there was a bizarre situation in Fast Four Tennis, wasn't there, where that rule just made the entire game seem like an absolute yeah. gimmick and just, just a farce. I think it might have been Nick Kyrgios in one of the first ever Fast Four yes. matches and Leighton Hewitt said he was playing against Nadal from memory and he said... You know, you're thirty forty down. Use your your captain's call, and he won the point and won the won the game just like that. I mean, one of the issues you talk about with fast four tennis is you know 
what's its purpose? What problem does it solve? And I, I think the great short formats solve a problem. Similar to Fast 4 Tennis, Nitro Athletics. I, I just don't get the point of it. What They change up some of the distances for, for the running That's races. the same thing. Teams as kind of the, the crux of, of the competition. I mean, that's an all right idea. Mm. But, it, but again, it's not really, you know, what problem does that solve? You know, if athletics wants to really dominate sporting headlines, get some interesting people running these races. Don't change it. Don't change the distance over which they're running. Uh, what about the success stories? Well, this is probably going to sound a bit hypocritical after what I've just said, but uh, I actually like Rugby League Nines. I know it's sort of been been and gone and, and come back again in, in various guises, but I like the fact that it's there's no video refs for a start. I think that's a major problem with the NRL uh, going to the bunker all the time. It's so much faster. It is a bit gimmicky to score a try with a post-star. You get an extra bonus points, but at least it's encouraging a different style of play and and making teams defend more to stop that happening. Well, and that's the purpose of it. I mean, lots of complaints around rugby league these days are it's slow. The bunker makes it disinteresting. It's formulaic because teams just realise if they hit it up for three or four tackles and then give it to a good kicker and get good field position, they're going to win most of their games. Nines kind of solves that a little bit. Obviously, not to the extent where it's ever going to take over the NRL, but but it does provide a a solution to some of those problems. I mean, one sport I really like, um, and it has been around a fair while, is rugby sevens. Again, it it is a wonderful sport to watch. It's fast-paced, it's action-packed, and again, solves some of those problems that we see in the traditional game. Rugby union is hampered by slow play. I mean, it just drives me insane when we see scrum reset after scrum reset after scrum reset. You lose so many minutes of action due due to stoppages in rugby union, and with the sevens game, that that just doesn't happen. Women's Rugby Sevens is one of the fastest growing sports in the world and from 2015-2016 Rugby Sevens participation in Australia increased by a whopping 33%. This makes it the biggest growth area for rugby by percentage. It's already in the Olympics as we know and it's going to make its Commonwealth Games debut next year in the Gold Coast. To discuss the rise of Rugby Sevens, we're joined by former Wallaby and Sevens High Performance Manager Scott Bowen. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. So, Scott, with, uh, we've had seen a few guys have a crack at Rugby Sevens, had Jared Hayne, a few guys from the actual rugby background as well, and you've played at the highest level in the 15-man format. How do you see the skills and how they compare? Well, look, the, the skill set in the Sevens environment is extremely challenging, just given the space uh, of the field uh, and, I guess, the conditioning and the endurance required to be able to compete. So, you know, all those one-on-one core skill elements of the game, you know, passing the ball 15 to 20 metres, uh, being able to make one-on-one tackles, winning contact and collisions are all really, you know, you know, under the microscope. We talked briefly about how much Rugby Sevens has grown in Australia, especially with the women's success. What have you seen in the in the past few years? Well, I think it's just that particularly at the younger age group, and I've, um, you know, I worked through the women's program from 2012 to 2016, um, you know, and just recently we've been able to launch our, uh, you know, a national universities competition, eight teams competing across, you know, four tournaments over a six-week um, time frame. 
the interest um, in sevens in both male, female, boys and girls and the opportunity that it provides. Uh, it, it is a massive growth opportunity and obviously on the back of the gold medal win in 2016 has just been able to sort of, I guess, give our sport um, you know, a place on, on, on the sporting landscape. Are you finding that traditional rugby followers are getting behind rugby sevens or is it a new market? And also, is there enough room in the market for all these different formats, the tens, sevens and, and 15, traditional fifteens? Well, I think the thing that sets, you know, the, the game apart is, is the Olympic Games. You know, the Olympics is, you know, the, the ultimate sporting event, you know, and within rugby, you know, we, we often talk about the Wallabies and the World Cup uh, being the pinnacle, which, which it is within rugby, but really... Uh, if we look globally at, at sport, you know the Olympics is the, is the the iconic event that people want to compete uh, in, and you know we guess we're fortunate that we actually have that uh, you know that opportunity to, to to go to the Olympics. The whole atmosphere of the sevens, and it's you know it's pretty enjoyable sitting up in the stands, watching a game of footy, having a having a drink, um, plenty of music going on. So. And as I said, we're sort of seeing that replicated around the world, starting in Hong Kong. But, you know, every one of those, particularly on the men's series at the moment, are sell-out stadiums, um, you know, tremendous atmosphere, short and fast games, which, you know, again, in the current environment around the the world and and, and youth of today, um, you know, that's what I guess they're craving with the short-form versions of the game and, and we're being able to, I guess, benefit from... From, from that. One topic that tends to polarise sports fans is whether these short-form games are actually any good for their sports or not. There are undoubtedly some pretty compelling arguments in favour of them, as well as some against them. Now, there's little doubt that the new formats have the potential to open up a game to new audiences, but on the same hand, there is also the possibility of multiple formats of the same sport competing against the other and almost cannibalising a code's audience. So we put the question out to the raw to see whether your average sports fan thinks shorter formats are beneficial or not. Yeah, we got one in from Damo who said that people forget that cricket had many cracks at various short form versions before T20 struck. You had like the Super 8s, you had uh, six aside, 40 over matches, split 50 over innings, and 60 over one dayers. And he believes that all sports will need to find their own way to short forms and there'll be many failures along the way. The standard market research that says it needs to be shorter and more exciting is ready in theory, but very hard to implement. Some very good points there. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, it comes back to what we were saying earlier uh, in the show about short formats have to solve a problem or a question. And um, does that for cricket? For other sports, they need to figure out what that problem is. Yeah, it's interesting that the Super 8s never really took off playing on synthetic pitches in much the same way as the Hong Kong 6s. Maybe it was because it was too short. Um, in Hong Kong 6s, they retire at 30, so they, they get to 30 pretty, you know, a couple of 6s and they're out and the next batsman comes in, whereas you can still score a century in 2020 cricket and it's it's very hard, but it's not impossible. And there's that that option there. That's a great example of just tinkering with the rules and how sometimes they work out and sometimes it just goes too far um, and turns it into a gimmick. Um, any change might seem like a gimmick originally, but when they work and fans uh, fans embrace them, then tick, tick. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, we talk about you know different things working for different sports. I think Chris Kettlewell has uh, has pointed to that fact. He says he doesn't necessarily get the need for it, i.e. shorter formats, in other sports as much as cricket. A T20 still takes longer than a normal format game in most other sports. So with cricket, where you have test cricket over five full days, it makes sense to have short format versions. Probably less so in other sports. Uh, Chris continues to say, I think there's a different value in different versions. T20 has its own skills separate to test cricket. They can both coexist comfortably. I think that in the long term, T20 cricket may be a good thing for test cricket because it's actually the first time really that domestic cricket has been able to make serious money. And so more and more players outside the few that play international cricket are able to make a good living out of cricket. This money point I think is where short formats become really, really interesting because it's probably why other sports are starting to invest in them so much. They've seen, you know, T20 is almost a license to print money, particularly in India, to a pretty decent extent in Australia as well. And other sports will no doubt look at that and say, yeah, I I want a slice of that pie. We can't forget that the reason T20 cricket is successful on TV at getting people into stadiums is because it's improving the product. It's making it better for fans. And that's what's allowing the money to flow. That's how the cycle is is being completed. And the Big Bash learned a lot from the IPL with the franchise model, which just allowed almost like, let's wipe the slate clean, forget about domestic cricket in its old format, New South Wales, Victoria, and just completely put a new revolution on on the game being able to get those marquee players in all that uh, that money ball style play the best thing about big bash you can watch a game and not have any investment and still you get a million viewers a night because it's oh the individual within that team is who i want to watch one sport where this doesn't necessarily become very obvious um, is AFL and AFLX. Rora Perrybridge came up with a really interesting contribution on this point. He says, AFLX, well, in this case, it's, again, the pro level imitating the grassroots. Many older folk may not have played or seen it, but anything from 12s to 6s on rectangular fields is very much the norm overseas where there just aren't the available fields or ovals. And in Australia, more social tournaments of AFL 9s in particular and now AFL 7s have been held for many years now. The AFL context is interesting then. It is a definite exportable format and is something worth further investigating at the professional level. The smaller field is the vital element. I think this is a wonderful point to discuss because we have seen the AFL make moves at expanding the game on the international stage. And the struggles that come with that. Absolutely. Even when they went to play in China, there wasn't a field in China that they could play the game on until they reconstructed um, the one that they did to suit the game. It's a a consistent problem with with sports played on oval fields. Cricket, one of the massive kind of roadblocks to cricket being introduced to the Olympics that is commonly raised is, well, yeah, we don't have the facilities. Not too many MCGs in the world, though. Uh, I think there's about one. (laughs) Yes. Exactly one. You can see them playing on the uh, college 
fields of the US with AFLX in in a few years. Um, And will that just be a gimmick or will people in Australia embrace that style of the game as well? There's talk that they might not even need boundary umpires, but you couldn't even really call it a boundary umpire anyway, could you? Yes, (laughs) I think you could. But I think, you know, with AFLX, it's going to be an interesting one because while it might be geared towards expanding the game overseas, you would think it still needs to gain a bit of traction in the one country where AFL is popular before that can actually happen. There's no point exporting a game that is horrifically unpopular um, to places like China or the States or New Zealand or wherever they decide to go. So, And we all know how hard it is exporting sport. Even uh, Tendulkar and Warren playing a 2020 in USA didn't uh, do well apart from Indian fans turning up at a baseball ground. Mm. So it's a very hard struggle. And it potentially has an inherent problem of its name having a country in the title Can you see Americans embracing Australian rules football as a code? I don't think so, but potentially um, potentially some other They won't even uh, embrace rugby league, even with Russell Crowe, you know, (laughs) at the helm. And one last comment, or two last comments, really, uh, that I thought we should finish up, because, Conks, I know you love a Simpsons quote, Ryman, I know you love a Simpsons quote. I know Who I love doesn't? a sim- good Simpsons quote. So I thought I'd finish up with hi- with these two comments. They're a little long. Bear with me. AGO74 says on T20 Cricket that it's not his preference, but in today's world, it's not difficult to see how it is popular, i.e. people are time poor and want instant gratification rather than being patient and writing it out and enjoying the context contest rather for what it is that comment probably makes me sound like abe simpson to which spruce moose replied nah abe simpson would call 2020 dickety dickety <laughs> and uh Very good, spruce. yeah it, yeah that that is a, a top-notch comment and uh deserve kudos for that because that that is just outstanding and so I, th- I think that is as good a place as any to leave today's conversation. As always, thank you so much for joining us and listening in to the Raw Podcast. As always, we'd love to hear your opinions and thoughts on what's happening in the world of sport at the moment. So be sure to head over to theraw.com.au, write an article, leave a comment on someone else's article, just get involved in the conversation. We'd love to see you over there. Next time, we'll be discussing women's sport has exploded in the past year all around the world and particularly in Australia. So be sure to tune in for that. Until then, we'll see you later.